So next time you're driving along the West Coast, along that, that one, what is that one that goes oh, down the, the West? The PCA, the Pacific Coast Highway. The Pacific. PCA? PCH. PCA. <laughs> it's I right. love acronyms. In, it, in a Cockney accent, it's the Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> anyway, next time you're, what, you're driving down that, there is a place you can stop for a geocache. And apparently, if you look out at the water, you can see, you're close enough, on a clear day, you can see the Farallon Islands there. And the Farallon Islands, now, you could get the cash and go for a swim to the Farallon Islands, although I don't recommend it because the Farallon Islands are a migration stop for elephant seals, Ooh. which means that the Farallon Islands are are inhabited most of the year, every year, by at least 100 great white sharks. Um, so they are the the like famous, they're called, the sailors used to call them the devil's teeth because you would have so many shipwrecks there. Um which is a big problem. Yeah. Although <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. It's a problem for if you're a human. It's not a problem if you're the great white shark. If you're it's actually kind of a shark. good day if you're a great white shark. I, I will say it's a great white shark's market. Yes. Um, not. Mm. I'm, I'm loving these Sour Patch Kids, but they get stuck in your teeth. <laughs> anyway, the great white sharks are there. So if you go to the Farallon Islands geocache which as i'm saying is on the pch mm. it is on the safe side of things you could take a picture of the farallon islands and everything but in order to get a prize from me mm. you have to swim to the farallon islands and um, if you can make your way through the great white sharks and then survive the what was it again the other animal that's on the island the elephant seals the elephant seals yes you are welcome to a half-filled Tupperware full of Sour Patch Kids. A half-filled Tupperware full of Sour Patch Kids. And I'm saying I will throw in a bonus. All of the clothing that Dan has on right now. <laughs> and there are at least four articles on right now. Yes. So. I did. This is a big one. So, <laughs> Farallon Islands, watch out for it. So, welcome to Geocaching Scripture. We're here from the Blanket Fort, but we're not because we're in a studio. Because Clear we went legit. Clear Hits Radio. Clear Hits Radio Studio. Listen to Clear Hits Radio, clearhitsgb.com, for the latest in Christian hip-hop. It is an awesome station. It's extremely well put together, and there's great ads for geocaching on it. My goodness. Um, and I am tempted to tell Caleb to call it hip-hope. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Please, I hope that's just like an, an, an hour spot that you have just for yourself. Like That's a seg, the hip-hope hip yes. show. <laughs> Correct. It's mostly just dad jokes and, and <laughs> tips on barbecuing. <laughs> Anyway, so geocaching is that rarefied sport hobby um, of looking for these treasures, these little treasures where it puts us treasure hunting back into a walk that may be familiar. There's never any too much in it in a geocache, but the treasure hunting is the point of it, to look for it, to find it, and to enrich what you're doing. And that is my metaphor for how I read scripture now. I've, I've been in ministry, I've been to seminary, and... To me, finding these little geocaches of, of language, cultural history, all sorts of things, is really, really brings it out for me. So I call it geocaching, geocaching scripture. And I'm, I'm joined here by Dan, who is who is the co-host for season two. Co-host. I don't think I've ever been called the co-host before. I like. Well, I kind of I kind of like that. I, I'm going to get a button on my shirt that just says co-host. Co-host. To, co to what? We don't know. I'm just a co-host. We're egalitarian here. Mm -hmm. We're both. Abs we, we, yeah. we are the host. <laughs> We are the host. So so Dan and I, we're good buddies, and we were sitting we were sitting down not too long ago eating egg rolls, as you do, and we started talking about this show, and then we're talking back and forth about scripture and theology and everything, and, and we had a Seinfeld moment where mm -hmm. he said, 
This is this the is show. It. This is it. <laughs> what we're what? doing here. What? Just do it. This is the show, what we're doing here. And so I said, hey, come and, come and be on my show. Yeah. He said, come and be one half of a host. Because come. a co-host plus a co-host equals one host. We should get those like necklace chains with like a half heart and a half heart. Ooh, I like and that. I say like, I, I spell part of co-host and you spell part of co-host, but then we took put them together and it's a full co-host. It spells <laughs> full co-host. I I am I am absolutely enthralled with that idea. I love it so very much. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Now this is uh, one of a collection of healings of blindness that Jesus goes through. And this man, this story is, I think, kind of odd in the sense of Jesus spitting on people or spitting Mm -hmm. and making mud and putting it in people's eyes and that kind of thing. It seems strange to me. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though it would be uncomfortable in the actual well, correct. So, do, do you notice? And so, I, I read a, a, a commentary, and he he just drew my attention to this reality that Jesus actually never asks the guy if he wants it. And so, just imagine you're like blind and sitting there, and then suddenly you feel like these wet, cold thumbs on your eyelids, and you're like, "What's going?" Like that's kind of the picture that John is drawing. Like Jesus, like unbeknownst to this blind man, Jesus sees him and already has a plan for how he wants to renew this guy. And I, I think as funny as that scene can be, it's also kind of poignant in that Jesus sees us in the mess that we're in sometimes and just says, here's my vision for your life. I'm not going to ask you if you want it. I already know that you want it. Let me let, let me usher you into that. And reaches out to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And reaches out without asking, thank God, because if he did, we'd probably say no. no correct. And, and that would be that. So I found out that the toast, here's mud in your eye, um, could have, it sort of gained popularity, um, more sort of recorded popularity in World War One when they, there was a lot of people in muddy trenches, and they would say, you know, hey, it's mud in your eye, out here on the Pacific Coast, all right? And they, they would, you know, there was mud everywhere. So they would just say, here's mud in your eye, this sucks, let's drink, you know, kind of thing. And But they also do think, this was probably traced back to this story. Really? So, yeah. So I, was I gonna... just learned something. I know. Wonderful. I know. That's what we're about here. That's why you listen to Geocaching Scripture. Welcome to Geocaching Scripture. Indeed. Indeed. So, here's mud in your eye. Probably is harkens back to that particular thing. As do many, many phrases that we say in American English. You're in the a... apple of my eye, Josh. Oh, mm. thank you. You're also my eye apple. <laughs> <laughs> So, here's mud in your eye. Now, I, I do like this story, this which is an interesting uh, gloss on all this. Um, it has been suggested that the origins of denominations occurred when the healed blind men met each other. 
At first, they were excited about the miracle of sight that Jesus had given them, but as they talked about how Jesus had healed them, they began to discover some significant differences. For some, the healing came with a simple touch from Jesus. Another proudly boasted that he had enough faith so that Jesus didn't have to touch him to perform the miracle. Another meekly exclaimed that Jesus had not only touched him twice, but also had to spit in his eyes in order for him to see clearly. The final one really felt embarrassed to admit that even though a touch wasn't part of his healing, Jesus' spit wasn't enough. Jesus had missed his saliva with dirt, put the mud in his eyes, and then told him to go and wash in some pool of water. Since each one thought his healing was normal and better than the others, they divided into the spitties and the non-spitties, oh, the this... mudites and the non-mudites, the touchites and the non-touchites, and denominationalism was born. This was a, So for the first half of it, you had me thinking it was an actual story. And now I know it's just some sort of elaborate ruse by you. This is not one that I wrote. <laughs> I found this somewhere. But to me... That is genius. It does sound like a joke that a bunch of rabbis would tell each other. Oh, 100%. Yeah. like, did you ever hear the story about how denominationalism started? <laughs> and so, there we go. The spitites and the non-spitites, the mudites. The touchites. The touchites, the non-touchites. And that is that is about as silly as a lot of our denominational separations are. Um, you know, And we don't get into a long discussion of, of unity and theological differences. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a whole geocache in of itself. However, remember that some of your di- divisions in your denominations are driven by things that are not theological at all. <laughs> <laughs> that have nothing to do with spit and mud or anything mm-hmm. else. So what Jesus is doing is, is in this interaction, he takes mud. He takes dirt in his hands, which harkens back to what scriptural image? I'm say Dan. G- Genesis 2. Hey! He, chapter and verse, that mm. guy. Awesome. So Jesus is taking the mud in his hands as God took dirt in his hands and formed Adam. And you'll see these echoes all throughout the Gospels of Jesus doing things that God did. Mm. Um, you know, I, there's several, and I've gone over them in different episodes in the past, but um, just one in, in Mark when Jesus comes out to them as they're on the boat, um, he's walking toward them on the water, and it says, he made as if to walk, walk past them, which is the exact Greek phrase that's used to describe God walking past Moses mm. in the Old Testament. That's fascinating. So that is, and now I know, and don't call me on this, the Greek that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, but the Greek New Testament writers, well, the Greek-speaking New Testament writers were reading the Greek Old Testament. Correct. The Septuagint. Correct. So anytime you see the Old Testament showing up in the New Testament, it is out of the Greek version, and that runs into its own little geocaches and issues sometimes, too, and issues sometimes that sort of like first-year anti-religious college students are like, ha-ha, the Bible falls apart! <laughs> Um, anyway, we'll have to talk about that. Yes, that's a rabbit trail. That is a rabbit trail. But it's fascinating. It is. It is. So Jesus takes this mud, hearkening back to the Genesis imagery, and then he takes this spit and dirt, and he makes mud, which was one of the forbidden activities on the Sabbath. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. You cannot do that. You You cannot make mud or clay. Hmm. Mud or clay. You cannot knead dough. You cannot do this particular motion. It is forbidden by Mm -hmm. the Sabbath. And Jesus had a way of, of not so much with the Sabbath. Well, you know what he rules. would say to the Sabbath? Here's mm. mud in your eye. It's, here's, what he, oh, it's what he would say to the Sabbath. mud in your eye. Mm. Here's mud in your eye. Your way of doing things is over. I am recreating. Therefore, I will do this Genesis thing mm. on the Sabbath day. There it is. That is some powerful stuff right there. I think it's beautiful. 
Jesus selecting someone who, by all first century standards, was born into sin, was useless societally, couldn't go into the temple, couldn't be part of the worshiping community. And he takes this person and completely revolutionizes the trajectory of this person's life. Which is why when this story ends in John uh, 9, it says this. He said, and the blind man said, Lord, I believed, and he worshipped him because he saw in Jesus the very God that was forming Adam in Genesis 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so we end up with this person baffling the authorities mm-hmm. because he goes to the authorities, or the authorities sort of mm-hmm. meet up with him and say, you know, what happened to you? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and they said, who did this to you? He said, he was just here. <laughs> he spit in my eyes. I guarantee you he was really close. I just I, I just love the portrayal of the Pharisees where they're like, where did he go? And I'm like, he's like, I was blind. Like, I don't like, how am I supposed to know that? Exactly. And, <laughs> and of course, John takes his little dig and he says, when the people saw him, they said, it's not him. It's somebody that looks like him. Yes. So John, in a way, attributes the blindness to the crowds mm. that are looking in. Oh, and that's, that's a, a yeah. very typical John sort of trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have this issue here of them saying that and then him saying, I do not know, but I do know this. I was blind oh, once no, and now I see. I see. And then there's a lot of really bad, awful, long, laborious Southern gospel songs. Like, I was blind, but now I see. I think I've heard that before. I think you probably have. I think you. Pro- I just wrote it right now, but <laughs> I think you, you may have heard it. But it, it does seem to me that that, it, that is sort of a rhetorical pinnacle hmm. that I heard a lot of pastors say sort of over and over and over again. And, I was blind, but now I see it. Mm-hmm. A lot of required chapel services. Yeah. But the actual like story of it is so much deeper and heavier and meatier mm. and multidimensional than that. So speaking of I was blind, but now I see, I think one of the, the meatier aspects of this story is simply the way that reality also represents our reality as followers of Jesus. I think all too often we get really, really excited about things like apologetics. Like I can, I can prove that Jesus is the Messiah or I can prove that Jesus uh, or that God exists or I can prove that the church is true. And when you read the Gospel of John, you find that the type of knowledge that leads someone to believe that Jesus and God are the same thing and are one is not the same type of knowledge that we say one plus one equals two. Mm. It's more of the same type of knowledge where... Like, I, I know that my father loves me. Like mm-hmm. I have experienced mm-hmm. his goodness. And because of that, I can't help but to land at this conclusion. And so when this man says, I was blind, but now I see, what, he, what he's saying for us is that for each of us, the, the reason we believe in Jesus isn't just because, you know, some preacher gave us some probability about quarters in Texas and therefore he has to be the Messiah. Like, the, the, reason, the reason we believe in Jesus is because we've all tasted something good Mm. in his putting Mm. mud mud on our eyes or maybe he was Mm. putting mud on our mind or you Mm. know putting mud on our bitterness whatever it might be to heal and restore us and so in in, at least for me um, as i geocache this scripture even looking to find geo jesus as the geocache i I find that my story is in this story as well Mm. absolutely and I would have to say, you know, like for me, uh, pastor's son, 
in church all the time, and um, I was in the smart kid Awana class. I, you know, I all these Show things. Off. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't really mean anything to me until I was uh, 15 or so, and I and I we had a guy come to youth group and start talking, and he was giving very simple messages about life in Christ, mm-hmm. and that didn't that suddenly clicked for me. Mm-hmm. It suddenly meant something to me, where intellectually I'd heard it all, and I, you know, I'd had a very positive church experience. I know not everybody does, but that these things have been laid out for me. But then at, at one point, suddenly I was blind, but now, now I, I see, see yeah. you know, I, and, and it, it didn't make sense before. And then it did in this sort of like multidimensional, multivalent. Yeah. Way. And again, so I, I would, I would say that to kind of wrap it up so that the same God that is creating humanity out of mud and breathing life into a place where there isn't life is the same God in this man's life bringing sight where there isn't sight. And in my life, it's the same God bringing joy where there was bitterness, bringing generosity where there's stinginess. Like it's the same God doing the same work. It's just different lenses through which to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of this verse, of this particular pericope, Mm -hmm. this story Josh gets fancy with terms. That's right. That's right. And that is not pronounced as I have pronounced it, perkyop and <laughs> pericope. <laughs> it is pericope, which is a thousand dollar word for a little tiny story. Correct. So anyway, in this little tiny story, one of my favorite parts is that Jesus goes and finds him later. Yes. Jesus goes and finds him. So he gets he gets kicked out of the temple, which is not just like, don't come to my church. You can go to the church down the street. It's like kicked out of the center of culture. Yep. The center of identity. No, like even his parents are like, I don't want to get kicked out of this. And so right, right. his parents are now on the inside. He's on the outside, which means his parents now have to say, like, here's the cold shoulder. I really can't be close to you anymore. You're right. on the outside looking in. Right. Yeah, you, you are separated. So he's this, he's this, you know, like free isotope just rolling around out there, binging around. And then Jesus goes and finds him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus goes and finds the one who society considered was useless mm-hmm. and considered was not worthy and Jesus goes out and finds them and I think of that a lot when I think of myself and times when I was decidedly not worthy amen to that and I felt the muddy thumbs on my mm-hmm. eyes and there you go anyway geocaching scripture make sure that you uh kickstart this share like it on facetunes like it on facetunes share it Share it on uh, on Face Space, um, <laughs> whatever it is that the kids are using. Um, and the thing where you hit each other's phones. Give next it a to each thumb other. on Twitter. Give it a th- <laughs> give it a muddy thumbs up. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Pax Humana. Cheers. <laughs>